you are now tuned in to Cup of Grind with Jada D. This is your daily dose of what's real in entrepreneurship. This podcast is intended for the new business owner, the person with a really good idea but not sure where to begin, and that person working at a job dreaming of the day that they can work for themselves. It's grind time. My guest today is Melissa Kimball, the founder of Black Creatives, a media and production company that advocates for black geniuses across creative industries, producing thoughtful content and experiences that live in the intersection of culture, community, and creativity. Melissa has created the premier Twitter chat for black millennials with hashtag black creatives. She's also the co-founder of the newly launched Kindred, a platform that supports professional wellness for black creatives. As a digital media strategist, Melissa has worked with small businesses, major brands, mission-driven startups, entrepreneurs, and creatives to share their brand stories through social media campaigns, consultations, handling social media for live events, brand ambassador, influencer programs, and so much more. Her work includes the work as a senior social media manager for Ebony Magazine, Dream Village, Sundance Film Festival, Golden Harris, Burrell Communications, McDonald's, NFL, ORS Olive Oil, American Family Insurance, and OWN TV's Black Love Doc. That is my show. Listen, this is a black, bold, and brilliant sister of mine, and I am so excited to have her on today. Make sure you have something to take some notes because you are going to leave with some nuggets to carry you on to launching your next business. Check it out. What's up, Melissa? Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. Feet above ground. Can't complain too much. Listen, (laughs) I'm happy to be on this side of the dirt, like my auntie always says. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, man, I'm so excited to have you on the Cup of Grind podcast. You were one of the first people that came to mind when I knew that I wanted to launch this. Um, I've always admired your ambition and your initiative and how you just you know make things happen so um you and your brand and all the things that you do um super exciting so you know I I, every time I talk to you or every time I see you you're always working on something new let's just Mm -hmm. get started you know black creatives is what um I always push to people when I mention you every time I meet somebody new or this in the business where I'm always like, no, this is somebody you got to meet though. It's somebody you got to connect you with. Her name is Melissa. And I, I was just telling someone recently ab- about your Twitter chats and like, they were like, what? I was like, she's been doing this. You got to <laughs> catch up. Um, you know, cause Twitter for some people is not as popular anymore, mm-hmm. but um, you kind of, you kind of launched that the Twitter chat. So yeah. What is black creatives? Yeah, well, you know, first off, thank you, you know, so much for for having me. We've been knowing each other for a long time now. At this point, I mean, we're not that old, um, so I'm, but I'm very, you know, grateful for this opportunity and grateful that you thought of me. You're also someone who I always think when I think of people who are like ambitious and on it. Like you're also, you know, one of the first people that come to mind too. Thank so the, the respect there and the admiration there is definitely mutual. Um, but yeah, just going into it. So Black Creatives, um, it started off initially as like an online community for just as the name says, Black Creatives. And now it's fully like evolved into a, uh, a media and production company that advocates for 
Black genius across creative industries. And the reason just kind of for the switch is that, you know, I did want to keep the community aspect of it. We've been a digital community, you know, online now for uh, a little over, I want to say we officially started in in 2010, Mm. got got real about it. Um, Like, okay, I'm going to do this for real in 2012. And then there was like a, a switch, I say, that flipped. Okay. Right after Mike Brown died, um, well, not let me say not died, after Mike Brown was murdered, mm-hmm. um, that was like, okay, I really have to like hone in. Um, and so we've been a digital community for a while now. I think this sense of, of uh, wanting to tell stories, I've been feeling a, a big push to do that more this year. So that's why it's now, uh, you know, also in addition to like the, the digital community is also a media and production company. Gotcha. And that's what we do. We tell, we're telling our stories. Um, I've always just really been mindful of the people, you know, in my stratosphere, you know, in my lane who are really doing amazing things. And so Black Creators is a space where, you know, creatives, regardless of whatever industry you're in, um, can come and, and share stories and strategies and tips and tools and like really build together. So, and I'm very, very, very proud of it. Absolutely. So you were doing black creatives, or at least you, you came up with the idea to start and started the process of building this business while you were also working a job, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I, um, it was right after I, uh, I graduated from, from college and you know, the recession hit, um, right around that time. And I was actually, uh, at FedEx <laughs> at the time, not in the FedEx office, um, especially, you know, for Memphis, you know, you know, it's a difference between the office and then it's like <laughs> actual like hub and yes. uh, my ass was in the hub. And so that's when I started it, uh, as a kind of like an outlet for myself. And then I just, I never imagined that it would grow, um, to what it is now. And I actually never intended it to start to become a business. It just, God just set it up that way. <laughs> yeah, it's like that sometimes. So, so. I mean, what was that one thing? Because you're in, you're a full time entrepreneur now, right? Yes. Yeah. So leading up to, you know, like most of us working multiple jobs while still building our business and things like that, what was that thing for you or that moment where it became a full time opportunity? Yeah. So, and that's a that's a really great question because I know like that story is different for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I wish I could say that this was something that I, I mean, it's something that I've always wanted to do. But I figured, like you know, move to New York, get myself a couple years, and then get to it. Um, but really, me getting laid off and fired um, was really what <laughs> put me in this direction. Yeah. I, um, you know, last year was a part of like the big layoff at Ebony Magazine. I was a senior social media manager there. Um, so in like last year in May, um, we all got laid off. I moved to New York City um, that June. Um, so like maybe a couple weeks after I moved to New York City, which was very crazy at the time. Um, and, you know, got here, had a job um that I was really excited about to go into and to go into and it just kind of took a turn to the left um and it just wasn't a good fit and so at the top of this year um they fired me uh rightfully so um 
but it just it just wasn't a fit on so many different levels that there was no way that I could just like you know uh just continue so it was either gonna be like I you know left or they let me go and they just so happened to beat me to the punch okay so you know after you know you sit down and you're thinking like all right I've been let go from jobs twice I've been let go twice um in like six months it was like literally like a six month span wow and this is also not the first time that I've lost jobs as well but it was so significant this time around. I was like, okay, so maybe this means that I just need to really buckle down and hone in and just take that, take the leap. Um, and, you know, I'm still, you know, at a point where, you know, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. I'm single. Um, and so I thought like, okay, well, I guess I just, I'll go along with it. So I was really, I was definitely pushed into it. And it was a decision that like, I, I think I may have just gotten comfortable with now. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> uh, because it's so uncertain, right? Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I wish I had like a, yeah, you know, I planned and I did this and I saved this. None of that happened. I was definitely pushed before I was ready um, to do so. And uh, yeah, it's just been a, a really interesting journey for sure. And, you know, what are the things that keep you motivated? I know that I'm sure like most like most entrepreneurs, once you go mm-hmm. into a full time situation, you're always in the back of your mind thinking of, OK, well, let me just go get get a job. Um, and even mm-hmm. if you are, are attempting or applying for jobs, what is keeping you kind of focused on? Let me just make this work. That's a good, that's a great question. There's a few, a few different things. One, because I think I had lost a bit of my confidence after getting laid off, getting fired, like back to back so closely. Um, And I really wanted to get back into the space of being able to bet on myself. Um, You know, a, a lot of times we, we, think we just have this idea that like entrepreneurship and freelance life and while it is not for everyone so I'll just say like speaking just in and you know from me from my personal standpoint but I you know got to a point um where I just was really uh, tired of being of feeling like I, of telling myself I know and telling myself I couldn't do it right we see so many examples out here right. of people who are who are making it and not just looking like they're making it, but they are actually making it in real life who are successful entrepreneurs and, and freelancers and live good lives and like really enjoy it. Um, even with all of the responsibility that comes with it. Um, and I was just tired of telling myself that I couldn't do that, you know? And so I think for me now, it's a, it's a matter of like proving to myself that I could be everything that I know I can be um, and getting out of my own way. And then also just really wanting to break some generational cycles um, and to be able to, when I tell, you know, my nieces or my nephews that they can do anything that they want to do and that, and that they can become anything they want to become and they don't have to follow a set blueprint I want them to be able to say you know what like you're right auntie because you did it you know just being that example 
that there's just more than one way to be successful just for my nieces and my nephew and the kids that are coming up behind us because there's so much that's changing now. And even in these past 10 years, there's so much that's changed from a technology standpoint. And it's like, at some point, I just had to like accept responsibility that I'm one of these, you know, we're in a, in a kind of a, a really unique time in terms of like black creative and creativity and, and things like that. Like we're a part of some sort of, I don't know if you want to call it Renaissance movement. I don't know um, yet. Cause there, it hasn't been labeled yet, but um, we just really had this responsibility to start to, to, to lead the way for the generations that are coming after us. Um, and I just, you know, I just feel that responsibility now more than ever, I think, because I'm getting older. Um, I know yeah. when I tried to, to do entre- entrepreneurship, maybe what, four or five years ago, I'm, I'm, you know, 31 now, but like, you know, mid twenties, you know, you, it's, it's, a, it's different, you know? And I think the older I get, the more I kind of think about like what type of legacy I want to create, not just for myself, but you know, for a family. And I, I really want to be that example. So those things keep me going. And then also not really wanting to, I want to be able also to take care of, of my mom too. She's done so much for me and sacrificed so much um, and went through so much. And so I just try to keep, keep going so that, you know, when she has a birthday, I can take her on vacations, you know? Yeah. Um, and just really just being true. And, you know, I'm a person of faith and I, even though I, I cuss a lot. Um, <laughs> also. Because <laughs> it's true. Um, you know, like God, every day, you know, even when I'm at my lowest or I'm feeling at my worst, God sends me something every single day to be like, you know what? I know you don't like this. So I know it's not easy, but you got to keep going. So those are, those are the main things. Those are nuggets. I hope you all are taking notes, man. (laughs) Seriously, you know, and just thinking about those things and, you know, having those responsibilities, um, wanting to, you've identified your why, knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've done, um, consciously and intentionally is over the last you know six 12 months I've really been focused on being very self-aware so mm-hmm. there's not much that you can tell mm-hmm. me about my flaws I, yeah. I know them I acknowledge them mm-hmm. and I'm working on them that's important. yeah that's so important. for you as a as an entrepreneur freelance world what are the what are the things that you know for a fact are keeping you from being successful oh okay all right, we're gonna get real. We're getting real here. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the words that I definitely became familiar with when I uh pledged the greatest sorority on the face of the earth was the word uh Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. For anyone who doesn't know, um, clarification. Right, just because you know people get a little confused. Um, was the word lax. And so I know for sure, and even in this entrepreneurship, like if, and I've, I've heard this somewhere, I think this may have been Lisa Nicole Bell, and I, I may like fuck it up, so it's definitely not verbatim, but she said that if you really want to get to know yourself, books, babies, and businesses are three things that are re- will, will really get to tell you about yourself. And the thing about entrepreneurship is that 
while it looks glamorous and it does come with a lot of, of freedom in different ways, that freedom also carries a lot of responsibility. And you have to be honest with yourself. And so one of the things that I learned about myself this year that was that is holding me back from being successful is a lack of organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just being being real. I think I've always been someone who's been a natural high achiever when it comes to creativity and and you know being the president of this club and doing this and doing that and it's all good and great. But I moved and I still move so fast sometimes and my thoughts get ahead of me so much sometimes that I I have always skipped over the organization part went straight to the do I've never been a good planner (laughs) but (laughs) but that was coming from not a place of me being incompetent but just a, a place of fear thinking that like I have to do things right now and what do you mean plan for the next three months I don't even know what I'm doing the next three days but it's like nah that lack of of organization like it will fuck you up because at some point <laughs> at, yes, at some point you have to plan and you have to organize and it's not not to say that it has to look like how everyone else this way looks like but you have to do something that works for you and I also think again like with my confidence taking a hit that lack of confidence as well throughout this year has shown up in different ways, whether it's been like missed opportunities or I didn't get as much money as I wanted with something or I dropped the ball on something big or I didn't communicate boundaries with a client and I missed out on a check, like so many different ways, right? Um, And so I had to be I'm, I'm having to be now going back to what you were saying about that self-awareness. That's that's the only mode I'm in right now is like just being self-aware and really spending time with myself to build up this muscle of like also self-reliance. Because there was there were a lot of times, too, where I was way too dependent on external things happening for me to feel like I'm successful. And when you're an entrepreneur, um, you can't. You can't always depend on the external things mm. to get you through or for someone else to kind of come and drop something in your lap. Like you you have to be proactive and you have to be intentional and you have to be thoughtful. Um, and right. I couldn't, I can't do all that if I'm not organized. If I'm, you know what I'm saying? If I'm not confident in myself, if I'm not taking time to think things through. Like those are the biggest things. So I mean, I'm working on them. It's a process, but it's a it's a messy ass process for sure. <laughs> Do you have any any uh, apps or software tools that you're using to get organized? Girl, I'm a Dream Village notebook. <laughs> like I'm a I'm a writer, and what I've been learning too about myself is that I do better. When I can write stuff down. Now I'm I'm not a big fan of like apps. I just really hate downloading those shits. I don't really? know what it is about me. Social media yeah. queen does not like apps. Look, that's that may be why. <laughs> that may be why. Okay. That may be why. That, may, that honestly may be why because I've had to deal with like technology for so long, and this has been a part of my pivot 
this year is to move out of social media management actually and go more into to writing and creating content and telling stories. And even with that, like you have to be even more organized because if not, you got words and content and pictures just every, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Everywhere. So I I don't necessarily use a lot of apps, um, but I, I'm, I'm working on getting into Asana Okay. Um, their project management tool um, mm-hmm. and learning a little bit about uh, Dubsado. Those, those are not necessarily, I mean, they have apps like for your phone, but they're mostly like uh, web-based for sure. Um, and then my, you know, Google Docs here and there, but for the most part, like I've been working on keeping like a bullet journal um, and just constantly like taking notes around like my just myself, you know? So yeah, that's are, real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something earlier um about boundaries. Mm-hmm. What are some of those boundaries that are important to have um with your with your clients? Mm-hmm. I think for sure around like your communication style and okay. preference and when you communicate and how you communicate is so important because a lot of the client relationship is based around communications um communication just in general and so it's easy as an entrepreneur freelancer creative whatever what have you business owner to you know always work 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 oh an email comes in like let me respond or call comes in let me respond um, you cannot, you definitely cannot build a business if you're always in reactive mode. Um, that it's just not sustainable. And so I think setting up those boundaries of when you work, and again, I'm a big component, a proponent of doing whatever works for you. But as long as you set, you know, those limits and communicate those limits, I think it goes a long way. So whether, you know, you decide like what your work schedule is, if you work, Sunday through Thursday and the rest of the week is yours, like however you want to schedule it, like letting clients know like your availability up front is super important, especially if you're doing service-based work, because it gets very easy to lose yourself um, in that work. So those boundaries of when you work and what kind of how much access your client has to you is super important. And you know, even like the small things, you know, even if it's like, hey, if you send me information about a project or feedback about a project, I'm not doing it through text message, only via email or via our allotted, you know, weekly phone meetings or whatever, what have you. Right. I think that's like the, the biggest key, because, again, like just a lot of your work. And especially, you know, if, again, if you are a service provider, but just in general, like communication is so key. And so having like those necessary channels in place and those time frames and like when you, you know, when you respond to messages or when you respond to emails or customers, clients, whatever, what have you is super important. I think that's been one of the biggest lessons, you know, that I, I've learned um, and also to you know, set your expectations up front of, of how you work. I think a lot of times too, we think like, oh, you know, I should just, I should just be grateful for whatever business I get. Now, granted, you should be grateful for business. Yes. But 
you also should be in a mode where you get to decide what type of client and what type of customer you have just as much as they get to decide. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. I wish I had got that sooner. (laughs) I wish I would. Yeah. Listen, seriously, I think, you know, I had a conversation recently about just how, of course, it's us, Black women, Mm -hmm. usually lowball ourselves. Like, we don't even give people an opportunity sometimes to pay a premium because Mm -hmm. we've already priced ourselves out and you know and it could be because of competition or really uh, most times it's self-doubt but we will say that it's because well my competitor is this and I'm new so I don't want to price myself that high because I'm still just starting my business I am so sick of hearing that because guess what if you do great work if you provide a great service you need to price yourself what you think you're worth because Mm -hmm. guess what Mm -hmm. if they don't want to pay they're not your client and that's okay everyone's not yeah and I think too and just to piggyback off of that also like your pricing and I just again just learned this recently learning every day but your pricing is also a boundary you know Mm -hmm. it's also a boundary because it it, it can definitely keep out who is not willing to pay premium and it'll keep in those you know who will now depending on and it all again it's all depends on like your your business model and how you set up and structure your services because it can vary right um but for the most part like what you charge can also be a way that you set a boundary for what type of business you will and will not take too yes that's now that's real Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's real. So thinking about, you know, your clients, your customers, your business, and of course, everything is kind of just based off of your business model. Um, for you, a lot of times, just depending on the type of business that you do, your friends, your family may be, um, you know, your clients, how supported, like, how do you define support as it com- as it relates to like your friends and your family? Like, do you feel some type of way if they don't support you? Are you okay either way? Mm-hmm. How do you feel on that topic? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm okay either way. Um, I mean, I think, I think my, my family for the most part, may still not be sure of what I do. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I was thinking that. <laughs> so, which is, it's fine. I think their biggest thing is like, are you alive? Are you safe? Are you safe? Can you are eat? You healthy? Can you eat? Yeah, are you eating? <laughs> Those types of things. But I think um, it's so, look, as a, <laughs> I'm about to get all the way real, but as a business owner, there's already so much uncertainty and doubt that you deal with just being in this situation. You know, there's so many different variables that you're working against that it's really a waste of your energy to kind of worry about who's supporting you and who's not. Because the people I found in my experience that the people who are really like riding for you and support you you will see them like they'll show up you know and so I don't think that's necessarily something that you have to you know constantly worry about or obsess over because there's always going to be someone who doesn't understand what you do and why you do it and just because someone doesn't support you in a specific way doesn't also doesn't mean that they don't support you at all you know like again like my family, not they're not really sure, but I know if like 
I call my brother and I'm like, yo, I'm just having a bad day. I need to vent. I just need to let it out or I just need to cry or I just need to complain or I need to talk about the black album to just so I could be talking, think, you know, and think about something that I enjoy. Like, that's fine. My brother never has to buy a book or buy a shirt or get a sticker or like, you know, none of that because support just comes in different ways. There are people who will, you know, do small, you know, small random things and it has nothing to do with my work, but it supported me, you know, going to the gym that day or taking a break or whatever, what have you. So I, those just, those are just things, again, you, you gotta, you use up so much of your energy already as a business owner dealing with like so much uncertain shit that worrying about who supports you and who doesn't. In a grand scheme of things, it, it's not going to matter because support shows up in different ways. And then it's also constantly changing, too. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Absolutely. You did. Okay, cool. cool. So do you have any regrets? Hmm, yes. Um, I definitely regret because this made it difficult for me when I did. And this is going back to pricing. This is so funny. Um, this made it. The way that I priced my services as a freelance social media manager, I always regret that because I used to price from a, oh, I got a full-time job, so I don't really need that much, or I have a full-time job, so I can't give that much time, so I don't need to price that much. And then so when I got into a situation where there was no more full-time job and it was just me and my freelance services, it was difficult to say like, hey, I charge this amount because I had started too low. And that's going back to pricing. Even if you, I feel like even if you do have a full-time job and you're doing something on the side and you're trying to figure out your pricing, I would highly recommend for you to charge what you would charge if you are not at that job, right? Absolutely, you that's good. Never look. I swear to God, Jada, if I could go back <laughs> and do it all over again, that's like that's like my biggest regret because again, when I transitioned into this work full time, I didn't have enough cushion. You know, I didn't have enough cushion, and then it was difficult to like. A friend of mine, my friend John used to tell me all the time, like, you can negotiate down. You can't negotiate up or some, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's always been one of my biggest things is like, yo, that pricing. Like, because you, again, you never know. And I think we when we price, and this is me going off on a tangent, but when we price as business owners, we're just thinking about just the actual service and not thinking about everything that goes into it. So if I could, that's my one biggest regret that I like price way too low. Um, and also that I really didn't take advantage of some of the, of the opportunities that I had while I was there, like to learn, like when I was a uh, working full time, but I was in a contractor position with agency called Golden Harris for McDonald's. This is my first time at an agency and 
I think that I didn't really take advantage of the environment that I was in until it was time for me to decide whether I had to leave or whether I could stay. And by that point, you know, I, it was too late. But if I had started, like, if I had went into probably with all the big opportunities, if I went into those opportunities, like, okay, how much can I learn from this? I didn't do that soon enough in the beginning. And I, I, I really wish that I would have, because I think my yeah. trajectory would have went a little bit different from how it went. But I think those are the biggest things. Now, also not asking for help and thinking that I had to do everything by myself. Um, I think that, and I'm, I'm very grateful for what Black Creators is now, but I, I feel like I could have had a full team by now if I had a, took the time to ask for help and not try to like figure everything out by myself. Yeah, I think that has been a continuous struggle for me as well. So I definitely will take heed to that. Um, mm-hmm. As I've been building um, Grind Match and as I've been building the Global Intent and then some of the freelance that I do under my JD um, Global Strategies brand, I know that I do a lot. Most people are usually surprised to know that it's just me doing all these things. Um, and I have I have a few, mm-hmm. I have, I won't say it's just me completely, but I, like you, we could have had a strategic team that was really helping mm-hmm. us execute so that we could have grown exponentially, grown much faster and not just fast, mm-hmm. just to be fast, but like mm-hmm. really sustainably. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I feel you and mm-hmm. I, man, I feel you for real, for real, for real. Yeah, I definitely do. So mm-hmm. I have this thing that I call um, a mogul Mount Rushmore. So, like, who are, like, four influential business people in whatever industry, or they don't even have to be in business, just four people that have really influenced you as a business owner, though, dead or alive? Uh, I would definitely say, so, John H. Johnson, uh, the founder of Ebony uh, and Jet, someone that uh, I always highly highly respected I mean even before I got to Ebony it was just one of those things um his story is uh succeeding against the odds his autobiography is like one of the best books that I have ever read they gave us a copy um when I started at Ebony I'm not sure if they still do that um but just he he just really when you say when when you hear like started from the bottom like John A. Johnson really literally started from the bottom like the south. Um, a lot of people don't know that he wasn't even from Chicago. He actually migrated during the Great Migration, so he has a Great Migration story that's like really really crazy. But just his commitment to like always improving himself so that he can improve his business was just very, was just like a really high thing with his. And then of course, what he's contributed to the culture, like there, you know, there are people now who say they're doing stuff for the culture, but literally like we would have no, there would be no like Vibe Magazine or a Bossup.com or whatever. Like none of these media brands would really exist and be able to thrive without John H. Johnson and what he built because he didn't just build a magazine like and not a magazine he built multiple magazines outside of just Ebony and Jet like most people don't even know that he start he had a ton of other magazines those are just the two that ended up being like the focal point or the cornerstone of his legacy but yeah I mean literally started from the bottom and for him to go and become one of the like the most successful publishers 
of his time and to own an entire building and the first black man to have to own property on Michigan Avenue in Chicago is just in it's just insane and so just that that legacy like granted Ebony is a little in a little weird now but you nothing can really take away from from his legacy and the impact that he had and and the way that he really forced and you know he was one of the few people the early pioneers to really get advertisers to pay attention to the black consumer and when you think about that alone that is that's major because it sets such a yeah it's it is gigantic because it really set a precedent for what you see now when you when we talk about advertising and you know multicultural and that like this this man was one of the pioneers so him and I could talk about him like all day um <laughs> I understand <laughs> yeah so him for sure um I would definitely say uh unique Jones Gibson of because then we can and dream village now uh unique is just there's there's definitely not a blueprint for a lot of us who are doing these things, who are building things from the internet, basically. There's there's because there's no president for it, and I'm sure Unique herself will say like, of course she doesn't have all the answers, but she's been such a like a role model and a mentor for me in so many different ways. Uh, one particularly being that like again culture this word of, of doing it for the culture and culture has really been, has really become like a commodity now. It's like a buzzword now, but unique is like really someone who is doing, building, creating things for us. And she has such a big heart for community, but she's still about her business, you know? And I love that she has like that that balance like you can be about the people and you can still be about your business at the same time I love that so definitely her John H. Johnson um I would say Malik Teal too from Curlbox um I was reading earlier someone called her a master executioner and I just fell out because that's so true like she gets it done and the the crazy thing is is that I've been following Malik's whole career. So even when she was still, this was right after she, but she wasn't an assistant anymore or working as an assistant. like these to, you know, Kim from Real Housewives and Travis Barker when she started her PR firm. So I remember seeing Curlbox from the very, like, I remember following Malik even when she wasn't in that sphere and thinking of how excellent she was then. So it was no surprise to me to see like Curlbox come and explode because she had already been doing the work for years, you know, before Curlbox, before she even came up with the Curlbox concept. And so her perseverance and just commitment to getting shit done because you don't realize how hard it is to get shit done when it's just yourself and you're just pushing yourself and just a model of like discipline, like, yo for like in insane and so what that's that's uh jv so okay yeah yeah yeah. i'm gonna go with ho it just popped up um in my head i mean i mean outside of just him being 
my favorite rapper. Um, you just don't see too many models of sustainable success in the music industry, especially, and not even to just get on my soapbox, but when you're talking about the music industry as it relates to black and brown people, like we historically always gotten screwed over in a lot of ways. And so for him to kind of be a part of this wave of like what success now can look like for black people and brown people in the industry to me is like crazy I mean he didn't get successful you know he didn't even start music until he was 26 and he would probably say he didn't really start to become successful at until he was in his 30s you know um and he's still going you know and uh that that tenacity he's very self-aware as a business owner um that too is important to me. So I definitely will go with, I definitely go with Hove. I like that. I like that amount. I like that too. I like that. <laughs> that looks, that looks real good. I like that. And the way that you feel about Mr. Johnson is absolutely the way that I feel about Tom Joyner. That Ooh, I, bet. I absolutely love, I, go I <laughs> absolutely love him. Sure. I love like you said, what he's done for the culture and how he's literally mm-hmm. shaped the media industry. And he too started from the bottom and I value mm-hmm. his work ethic. I'm talking about even to this day, I stopped working for him um, uh, over a year ago, but um, whenever he's in town, he always calls me so mm-hmm. that we can hang out. And whenever we have a chance to sit and talk, man, it's just, I'm always amazed. I mean, he'll come in town for meetings or wherever he has to fly to, you know, for meetings and sales meetings. And he is the type mm-hmm. of person because he's old school. So face to face is what he wants to do. He wants to meet the people. He wants to be there whenever he's traveling to events. He wants to thank you. Like he literally wants to sit at the bar or whatever the event is. He wants to be right there with the people that have made him to what mm-hmm. he is today and who have helped build and support it. Um, and his work ethic. I mean, he does, he does a morning show and he doesn't pre-record a show. Okay. So any shows that he's not on, he's just not there. And then it's only like two days out of the whole year where you're going to hear the best of shows where they just do a mixture of some of the funniest moments throughout mm-hmm. the year. But this man is getting up every day at like 2.30, still making it happen. So I admire his work ethic. And I and I've, and after being around so many different, you know, being in talent management, working with artists mm-hmm. and celebrities and stuff, I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of people. I've interacted, I've worked with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I'm really biased to other people. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, what you, what you mean? You can't hug or take a picture or wave or do this. What are you, what are you saying? Who who are you? Do you have a jet? Cause Tom Joyner has a jet and he, and he, Tom has a jet and he don't mind talking to people. So what, what's your, what's your issue? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, what's your issue? I'm just saying. But no, so I, I understand, man, and I I love I love your Mount Rushmore. But before we get out of here, though, one of the one of the questions I really enjoy hearing is for you, because everyone has their own level of success and what that means for them. But for you, what does it look like for you to say you've mm. really made it? Like, what does that look like? That's a great. That's a really great question. So most recently, for some reason. Just our, like, our, just our, I guess you say, I don't want to say ancestors sound so trendy right now, but I guess I'll use it. But I guess the ones that have come before us have really been on my mind. And I had grown up with Maya Angelou, 
But I think, again, these past four years, four or five, five years, as I get older, I really start to take to heart some of the things that our elders have said. And one thing that she said about success was like success is liking yourself, liking what you do and liking how you do it. And I just recently just adopted that for myself. I think that that'll be it for me. Like, I think, again, just to go with that quote, like if I can like myself and I'm liking what I'm doing and I like how I'm doing it, then I think I'm successful because I think that once, I think once you like no one can know you better than yourself and I think if you're if you're trying to accomplish certain things or do certain things it's going to be hard to do that shit if you don't like yourself if you don't like yourself if and if you're always at war with yourself Man. and I think that quote really makes success equivalent to peace so if I could just be at peace come within on my business, somebody like, out, yes. <laughs> outside of my <laughs> And that's successful because I spent a lot of of time like just being down on myself or being hard on myself or just being against myself for whatever reason. Um, and that I'm I'm over I'm over that. I just want to be at peace, you know. Because if you're you're at peace, like it doesn't matter how much you got in your bank account or what kind of car you driving or where you living or where you going on vacation, like you will be good. And so that's, that's it for me. And then I can, everything else can just flow from there. And that's real, man. I really appreciate you joining, <laughs> joining me today. Um, yes, tell thank us, you for having me. yeah. So I know you got, you have several brands. So shout out what, where you want us to follow you on social media. <laughs> um, and yeah. if you have a website, whatever, just let us know where we can find you. Okay, no, great. So MelissaKimble.com is like my personal website and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, just Melissa underscore Kimble for Black Creatives. So it's BLKCreatives.com. That's our website. And then also same across like all social media as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much, Melissa. I look forward to seeing what's going to happen um, in the future for you. I'm just really happy to be a part of the journey with you, man. I, I, I thank you so much. Oh, no. Thank you so much. Love you, too. Are you done playing games and ready to get out of your own way? Good. Go to jadadavis.com today to join my village download your free startup checklist and schedule time to speak with me during a free strategy call or think tank that's j-a-d-a-d-a-v-i-s.com and as always shut up keep grinding